Do you know that you have access to the mind of God? Through the power of the cross, you have a connection to what God thinks about problems and the circumstances of life. You might be going through something right now that you think is a problem, but to God, it's actually just a challenge when you have access to the thoughts of God for the solutions for the problems that you are facing. And instead of living with limited insight and intelligence, you can develop your spiritual intelligence. Yeah, this is the real exciting part of it. You can actually develop spiritual intelligence and grow your connection with God, and you can actually think like God. Yes, you can actually think like God. At 1 Corinthians chapter 2 tells us that we can create an access point with God where we actually think God's thoughts. And so we are offering courses to empower you to think beyond the limits of human reasoning and move in to God reasoning, to God thoughts, to God's ideas in real time and increase your capacity for spiritual intelligence. Are you ready to explore God's terrain of thought in your life's challenges and actually go from victim to victor? We really want to encourage you to take this course. You can enroll in this course at thesqinstitute.com and access God's intelligence for your situations and learn how to grow your capacity in God. God bless you. Is it appropriate to say Merry Christmas at this time? We, uh, we went out and cut a Christmas tree yesterday with our family, which was a lot of fun. And uh, Kathy cut it down. The chainsaw. Dead serious. Cut it down with a chainsaw. She's like, I'm, I'm going to cut this tree down myself. Yeah, you guys know, like, she hunts, she fishes, she cuts things with a chainsaw, she rides horses. I'm actually the woman in the house. I just want to confess that to you. I think I'm the one who went through menopause and shouldn't. It's very sad. That's why I sleep with one eye open, you know. It's like somebody breaks into our house, I wake her, I'm like, check that out, I'll call the police. She's, uh, but it was quite fun. We had our almost two-year-old granddaughter with us and hiking through the woods, and I got to use my four-wheel drive. <laughs> That was a lot of fun. Yes. Anyway, you guys didn't get that. But, okay, why don't you grab a hand, let's pray. Holy Spirit, thank you so much for what you've done for us already, God. Thanks for this, this year. Lord, we thank you that in the midst of the turmoil, that you're, you're constant, you're a constant peace, you're constant provision for us, you're constant encouragement to us. And we thank you for this day. Amen. Well, I want to talk to you about finding your superpower. And um, probably only get through about half of this, at least that's the way it's been. Um, But I've been actually thinking about this for a while. I actually had a session that I did for someone, uh, a leader, and I I was uh, just praying for him. Um, He was coming to my house for four hours, and I I asked him, I I feel like you should come to my house. I feel like I'm, I'm supposed to do some kind of a prophetic session for you. And he's like, great. So he came for four hours, and the few weeks before, I was just praying into knowing he was coming, and, and I feel like the Lord said, I want to establish him in a superpower. I'm like, okay, I've never heard that phrase before, but okay. And so uh, out of that kind of came this excitement around the Lord releasing superpowers to all of his people. So turn to John 20. There's going to be a lot of scripture. 
Um, so uh, put on your track shoes here. John 20. We'll get, now, uh, verse 19, we're going to start there. This is Jesus. He's, he's rose from the dead, um, and he's been visiting his disciples. And I love it. Uh, you know, we're going to read in just a moment, but every time he visits his disciples, they're locked up in a room afraid, or most of the times at least, and he walks through the wall and he says, peace be with you. If I saw someone, through walk, walk, if I saw someone walk through the wall, I'd probably need them to say, peace be with you, before I change my underwear, if you know what I mean. But have you noticed that Jesus never uses a door after he rose from the dead, because he is the door. And so he walks through the wall, he says, peace be with you. Verse 19, so when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst, and he said to them, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side, and the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them, again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Would you all say, receive the Holy Spirit? If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. And I, I wanted to start this with this verse because I want you to notice that when all the requirements for the disciples were met so that they could actually be born again, how many of you know that they couldn't be born again before the cross? So Jesus dies on the cross, he forgives our sins, and he releases the power for us not just to be forgiven, but be transformed. And this is the first at least expression that we see in the scripture where Jesus actually releases the spirit into someone. Now you'll notice in the Old Testament, there was, there's often this phrase, and the spirit was upon them. The spirit was upon them. But as far as we know, this is the first time that the Holy Spirit actually went, was actually released in them. They were, the Lord breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit within them. And how many know that if you receive Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit lives within you? As a matter of fact, you can't be a believer and not have the Holy Spirit live within you without having the Holy Spirit live within you. Like, if you have received Christ, you're like, I've never had a spiritual experience. I'm sorry, if you received Jesus Christ, you had a spiritual experience. You may not have had an emotional experience, but you had a spiritual experience because the Holy Spirit was breathed into you by, the, by Jesus himself, and you have received the Holy Spirit. And so I want you to notice that they have, on this incident, they have received the Holy Spirit. Now let's go to Acts chapter 1. Verse 4, now again, Jesus is visiting them for 40 days, and it says, and gathering them, uh, speaking of Jesus, Jesus is gathering disciples, and gathered them, he commanded them to not leave Jerusalem, before, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you've heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so when, he, when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it this time that you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority. Listen to this. But you shall receive power. Everybody say, receive power. When the Holy Spirit, help me. When the Holy Spirit, come on. Okay, let's try it again, okay? Because you guys screwed that up completely. Okay, you that are watching online, we're going to do better than this. But you shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. There you go. You did good. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and even to the uttermost parts of the earth. I think this is really interesting in contrast with the previous verse that we read in which Jesus breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. 
These are the, these people, these very people who received the Holy Spirit when the Lord breathed on them. Those people, he said, I don't want you to leave your house. No, I don't want you to leave your city until you receive the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. The word power there, he said, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and you're going to receive power. The word power is the word dunamis. We get our English word dynamite from it. So the Lord's like, okay, you've received the Holy Spirit, but now I want you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. How many know it's one thing for me to drink water? Hmm. It's in me. But it's another thing for me to jump in the ocean. I'm in him. How many know when you receive Jesus, the Holy Spirit is in you? You, you, you? If you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit in you. And you could argue like, I have the Holy Spirit already. You are right. You have the Holy Spirit in you. But the question is, are you in him? And the Lord said, I don't want you to leave Jerusalem. I don't want you to leave your city. Listen, you've had an experience. You've raised the dead. Listen, these are the disciples, right? He's 12, at least 12. Now we got 120 now, but at least 12. He's like, they have healed the sick. They have cast out demons. They participated or at least watched him raise the dead. And now he's like, but I don't want you to leave until you have power not to do, but to be my witnesses. Don't leave Jerusalem until you have dudamous power to be my witness. I want to point out that, you know, when I, I was thinking about finding your superpower, some people are like, I don't have a superpower. You have a superpower if you have the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't want you to leave your house without a superpower. We are like the Avengers. <laughs> I haven't seen the Avengers, but I, I think it's a good movie, I hope. I hope there's no sex scenes or bad things in it. Sorry, that's a precursor. I don't know if the Avengers is good, but it's good. Hopefully it's good. The question is, how do I get my superpower? Well, obviously you have to receive Jesus Christ for the Holy Spirit to come in you. But I want to talk to you a little bit about John. In John 17, Jesus is praying for us. It's actually the, Lord, it's actually the real Lord's prayer where the Lord prays for us. And one of, the, one of his statements is, Father, the way that you are in me and I'm in you I want them to be in us and us to be in them. What I'm getting at is it's the nature of God to not just want to be in us, but for us to be in him. How does this, what's the most common way this happens? Acts 19 verse 1 is a great story. It happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus and found some disciples. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, no. We have not even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. <laughs> they had not gone through Dan's class. And this is the problem, folks. <laughs> Churches without Dan's foundation class. We didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. Hello, you're following Christ and you don't know there's a Holy Spirit. Well, okay. <laughs> I could make some funny jokes, but we should go on. And Paul said, John baptized with the... Ba oh, he asked him, and he said to them, into what baptism were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling people to believe in him who is coming after him, that is Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. I love this because this is one of the most common ways that people experience the baptism in the Holy Spirit is that somebody that has the baptism in the Holy Spirit lays their hands on them and gives them an impartation. And in this case, they, they, they spoke in tongues and prophesied. 
In, and Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4. Why don't you turn there? Told you lots of scripture this morning. Unlike Dan, where he just gives your suggestions, I like to use the Bible when I preach. <laughs> Sorry, that was a joke. All the people online, it's just a joke. Uh, verse 14, do not neglect, this is Paul to Timothy, his actually spiritual son, do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed upon you, through the prophetic utterance with the laying on of hands of the, by the presbytery or the leadership, take pains with these things and be absorbed in them that your progress may be evident to all. Um, I love this verse because Paul reminds Timothy, who's actually struggling with quite a bit of anxiety, that he needs to take the gift that was given to him through the laying on of hands, the impartation, and he needs to actually do something with it. In fact, Paul, uh, you, Paul's letters to Timothy are, they're very fatherly, and sometimes they come with discipline. And he's like, I want you to take the gift, and I, we don't know exactly what gift he's talking about, but he talks about teaching in here, so I would assume that maybe the gift that was, that was given to Tim when, he, when, the, when the leadership laid, his hands on, laid their hands on him, maybe one of the gifts was the gift of teaching. Because he says, I want you to teach in a way that everyone can see your progress. I want you to take the gift and I want you to do something with it, Tim. In fact, he goes on to say, I want you to, I want you to pour your labor in there until you, you've actually, in a way that you've actually strained yourself, you've actually strived, you've actually striving to see this gift that was given to you actually manifest in a way that it helps other people. I'd like to point out that many people have gifts and they just carry them around their wallet like a seed. They're like, oh, you know, I got this prophecy. And they repeat the prophecy, you know, 20 years. I'm just waiting for it to come to pass. It's like people like, I'm waiting on God. He ain't that slow, you know. I I, I get this picture like, God's old. And he's like, and I'm kind of, you know, God's like, come on, God, I'm waiting on you. It's like, how many of you know God, God's waiting for you is my point. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4. I, I want to... This is a, a passage I've taught many times, but I, just, I felt like we should review it. Verse 7 of Ephesians chapter 4. To each one of us, grace... Everybody say grace. grace. Was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Everybody say Christ's gift. Okay, so now Paul is going to tell us that Christ gave gifts to men, to the body, to men and women. Christ gave gifts. Now, why is Paul telling us, telling us this? Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we have the gifts of the Spirit. There's nine gifts listed there. I think there's many more, but there's the gift of prophecy. There's the gift of miracles. There's the gift of speaking in tongues, the gift of interpretation. You've probably read them. And Paul makes a point that the Holy Spirit gave gifts to believers. But here, Paul wants you to know that it's not just the Holy Spirit they gave gifts to believers, but Christ also gave gifts to believers. And so he says, to each one of us, grace was given, was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now, now Paul is going to, obviously there's no New Testament yet, so Paul's writing the New Testament, and he wants you to know that Christ giving gifts to men has already been talked about in the Old Testament. So he quotes an Old Testament verse that says this, therefore it says, therefore, meaning the Old Testament says, when he ascended on high, he led captive, a host of captive, and he gave gifts to men. Okay, so now what, what's Paul's point? Christ gave gifts to men. Are you with me? But the Old Testament verse doesn't say Christ, it says he. So now we have 
two more verses, three more verses to explain to you that the he in the Old Testament is actually Jesus. And it, go, and it's, it seems confusing if you don't know that. It says, now this expression, he, uh, he ascended, what does it mean except for he who has descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself, he who ascended above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Okay, all that verse is pointing out is that Jesus actually gave gifts to men. Okay, so we're going to skip that and we're going to read it without the explanation. Okay, and it reads like this. To each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he gave, some, he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors, some as teachers. Before I go on, do you notice that the gifts that Christ gave were, were people? Are you with me? So the Holy Spirit gave the gift of prophecy, for example, and Christ gave the office of a prophet. Are you with me? So Christ gave the fivefold ministry. We're going to finish reading it in just a minute. And the Holy Spirit gave spiritual gifts. And Christ gave spiritual gifts, but these spiritual gifts came in the form of people. Okay, so he gave some as apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. To do what? To equip the saints. For what reason? To do the work of service. To build it up to the building up of the body of Christ. How long did he give the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, pastor, and teacher, how long did he give them for? Just the first century? He goes on to say, until we all attain this, we, until we all attain the something, very good, until <laughs> we all attain, I'm, what, don't, don't help me, I'm going to fix this. <laughs> until we all attain the unity of faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to the mature man, to the measure of the stature that belongs to the fullness of Christ. Uh, in other words, he gave these five full gifts until we all look like Christ. Probably we still need him. Are you with me? Okay, now, are you with me? So the fivefold ministry is there to equip the saints so that the saints actually can do the ministry. Like, it was never God's idea that the fivefold ministry, that, 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 Man, I just break into tongues sometimes. <laughs> I want to confess that when I was born, I didn't speak English. <laughs> Parents had to teach me English because I spoke in tongues. So spiritual right from the beginning. <laughs> it was never God's idea or intention that the pastors or the, the apostles or the prophet that the fivefold ministry would actually be the people doing the work. It was always his intention that they would equip the body and the body would do the work until the body, listen to this, builds up the body. Uh, uh, for example, I mean, I don't know, there's 10,000 people in this church. I don't know how many there are right now with COVID, but probably at least 8,000. There's no way that 100 or 200 people could care well for thousands of people. It's not possible. And God never intended it to be that way. God intended for the saints to be equipped to take care of the saints. Are you with me? That all the saints have superpowers to, to take care of the saints' needs until we all build each other up in love. Are you following me? Okay, now turn to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. There are, therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your body as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. I want to stop there for a minute. He's talking to the Romans, and he says, you know, you have sacrifices, dead sacrifices, like you sacrifice animals. You sacrifice these, 
whatever. In, in fact, the Romans sacrificed children at one point in their history. And he said, listen, I don't want you to have dead sacrifices. I want you to be a living sacrifice. <laughs> and in, when you do that, this is your spiritual service of worship. That you offer your body, I'm offering my body as a living sacrifice. And because I've offered my body as a living sacrifice, how many know it's my spiritual service of worship? I, I don't know if you got this. When I, offer, when I receive Christ and I offer my body to God, I no longer do anything that's, that's secular. Because I offered my body. And everything I do from this day forward, because I've offered my body not as a dead sacrifice, but as a, you know, people are like, I'm going to die for Christ. He's asking you to live for him. He's saying, instead of dying for me, why don't you just live sacrificially to me, and therefore everything you do from this day forward will be sacred. You don't have anything that you do that's not spiritual. You're like, well, I'm, 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 I'm not in the ministry. No, when you receive Christ, you're in the ministry. You offered your body. I'm a nurse. Then you're nursing for God. You're nursing for God. I'm a mechanic. Now your tools are instruments of praise to God. You remember when Jesus was, you know, he, he had this contrast. He talked about that. He said, when I was hungry, you didn't feed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. And they're like, when did we do that? Hey, if we would have saw you, we would have done it. He says, because you didn't do it to the least of these, you didn't do it to me. And what I'm getting at is suddenly Jesus takes something very practical, giving someone a glass of water who's thirsty. And he goes, when you did that, it was spiritual and you missed the point. When you didn't do that, it was spiritual and you missed the point. On the other hand, he goes, and you, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. The point is, is that you did something very practical. And he goes, that was spiritual. And Jesus is redefining for us what it means to have a superpower. Because when I think of superpower, I think of people getting healed, miracles happening. And Jesus is like, that's good. And so is this. Okay, look at the rest of this, this Romans passage. But do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that what is good, acceptable, and perfect. For though, uh, for the, I'm sorry, for through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think is to have sound judgment. It's God allowed it to each of us a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ. And individually, we are members of one another. Okay, look at your Bible and look at verse 6. Since we have gifts, can everybody say gifts? Yes. That are different, can everybody say different? Yes. According to the grace, everybody say grace, grace, given to us, let each of us exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith. If service, in his serving, or he who teaches, in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, and he who gives with liberality, and he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Okay, um, this is going to be, I just need you to stay really close. This will make sense. In Ephesians chapter 4, the chapter we already read, it says to each of us, but to each of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Remember that? To each of us grace, why don't you just say it, grace, grace. was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Are you with me? And he gave some as apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers to do what? To equip the saints. What do they equip the saints with? Grace. Okay, let me make this point. Romans 12 says that since we have gifts, 
that are different according to the grace given to us. Are you with me? In other words, what makes gifts different? Grace. I'd like to propose that there are colors of grace. It's an illustration. Okay, I've done this many times. Let's pretend that the fivefold ministry is a soda fountain. There's root beer, there's Coke, there's 7-Up, there's Dr. Pepper, there's nothing diet. Diet's like a false prophet. <laughs> Just to be clear, it's like, it promises you sugar, but there is none. It's like wild waves of the sea casting up their foam like saying. <laughs> and, and all the fountain has one thing in common, right? They all have soda water. They all have soda water. But the fountain determines the flavor. If you want root beer, you can't go to the Coke fountain. Right? If you want 7-Up, you can't go to the root beer fountain. Okay, think of a five-fold ministry like that. If I come to the prophetic fountain, I'm not going to get pastoral grace. I'm going to get prophetic grace. And remember it says, Romans 12 says, that since we have gifts that are different according to the grace given to us, are you with, let each of us exercise them according to the proportion of his faith. Are you following me? In other words, and then Ephesians 4, it says that each of us have received gifts according to the, oh, I'm sorry, but each of us are to receive grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. What are the gifts? The fivefold ministry. So the fivefold ministry equipped the saints. What are they equipped the saints with? Grace. What does grace give us? Gifts. What kind of gifts? Depends on what fountain you're at. Are you with me? If you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you receive the... What is the prophet's reward? Grace. What does grace do? It gives you gifts. What kind of gifts? Gifts around prophetic. If I come to the pastoral fountain, I'm not going to get prophetic gifts because the, the equipper, right? The equipper is a pastor. What do pastors equip the saints with? Grace. What color of grace? Grace that gives you pastoral gifts. I come to the teacher, I'm not going to get pastoral grace, I'm going to get grace around the teaching gifts. And what I'm getting at is that, that God's intention was that all fivefold, that, the, sorry, over, that all the body of Christ would be trained by all the fivefold ministry so that the body could be fully equipped for every good work in Christ Jesus, meaning that all these colors of grace were to flow in the body so that the body could actually help the body in every way the body needs. Are you with me? So that everybody has a superpower. Okay, now, look at, let's go back to the Romans passage for just a minute. Did you notice, he says, to the proportion of his faith, he said, uh, to each one of us, um, no, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let each of us exercise them according to the proportion of his faith. What does that mean? It means the fountain determines the flavor, but you determine the size of the cup. The proportion of your faith. You can bring a little shot glass, a little sippy cup. Yeah. I like that. Woo, had a vision. Uh, and he never prophesied again. <laughs> or you can bring a barrel. See, you determine the impact if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet. I mean, you know, we don't care about tidal waves, but I do want to know what kind of grace I'm to anticipate so that I can bring my faith to it. Now look at this. Look at the rest of this. So now he's talking about, he's talking about, since we have gifts that differ according to grace, let each of us exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, he who teaches in his teaching, he who exhorts in his exhortation, 
He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Did you notice that he took what seems spiritual, like prophecy, and he packs all these other ones in there, like exhort, exhortation, people who give, people who show mercy. And what I'm getting at is this, is that oftentimes we think, well, prophecy is a spiritual gift, but mercy, nah. How about this one? Prophecy seems very spiritual to me. I don't have the gift of prophecy, but you know what? But serving is mentioned as a spiritual gift released by grace in which you build up the body of Christ by your, by your serving gift, your hospitality gift, your leadership gift, your giving gift. Listen, let me be clear. Everyone should be merciful. Everybody should. Everyone should serve. Everyone should give. You're like, I just don't have the gift of giving. That's why I'm selfish. It's like, no, no, you're selfish. But... In the context of this passage, Paul isn't talking about normal giving. He's not talking about normal mercy. He's not talking about the kind of mercy we should all have as believers. He's talking about a superpower of mercy. Where somebody has this, if you will, tractor beam that they stay in the game when, when, the, <laughs> when the stadium lights have dimmed and the crowds have gone home, metaphorically speaking, that there's this person that goes, I just believe for them. I just believe for them. And how many of you know that we have sons and daughters and, and cousins and grandkids who were like, these are the people that are still stay in the game when we have long ago said they are lost forever. And this person that has this mercy gift goes, I don't know, I just can't give up. And they have like this magnetic tractor beam where they suck people in the kingdom over years of extending mercy. And we all, uh, you know what? They're just naive. They're not naive. They have a gift of mercy that won't give up because it's not, it's not normal. It's not coming from human capacity. It's not even coming from the natural gift we have as new believers. It's a gift of God in which they stay in the game after everyone else has gone home. There are people who are designed to serve. Everyone is designed to serve. But when I mention Kathy Vallotton, there'll be a statue in the new sanctuary. There are people who just, like, that's what they think of in the middle of the night. They're like, what are you thinking about? I'm just feeling, thinking about how to make this, you know, cookies for everyone. (laughs) Everyone should have a cookie. Why? Go to Marie Callender's and go to Costco and buy them. That's not a cookie. (laughs) Till you tasted my cookies, you haven't tasted cookies. Okay, I see you with the chainsaw. Go ahead and get the cookies. (laughs) I'm being a little funny, but I'm saying, here's here's where I'm going. There are people who have been devalued because you don't think you have a superpower because your superpower has such a natural expression. And you're like, I just stay up in the middle of the night thinking about this. I just stay up, like, I just, I'm a giver. I'm a leader. I just, I just you know, I, I get in a crowd and I'm like, okay, let's organize this. That, that would be me. Right? Everybody's, all my team's like, oh God, please. Now he found a scripture for what he does. <laughs> we all know what I mean. I'm just pointing out that sometimes we devalue ourselves 
because we have the gift of the Holy Spirit in us. We've been baptized in the Holy Spirit and we think, well, you know, I'm not doing miracles and signs and wonders. Yeah, you are a sign and a wonder. Your love for people is a sign and a wonder. The way that you lead people is a sign and a wonder. The way that you give beyond what's humanly possible is a sign and a wonder. And you don't do it because you're under compulsion. You just do it. It's just who you are. And it inspires everybody else to do the same. I got to tell you that Bill Johnson has the supernatural gift to give you. You, you, you probably wouldn't know that unless you're close because he, does, he also has this supernatural gift of I don't tell anybody. So I'm going to tell. I won't tell you much, but I'll say this, that we lived in their house for six months and I watched them give away their groceries that they didn't have money to replace. I watched them give away meals that we were sitting down to eat. When there was no money. Like when you live with someone for 43 years, you gain, you either gain more, you know, you know like familiarity does breed contempt unless the person that you're with is so deep that the more you know them, the more you respect them. And I've watched Bill, well, I remember us being in a conference and Bill writing a thousand dollar check in, the, in a session and I'm like, we're the speakers. Okay, I'll write a thousand dollar check. Then the next session, another thousand dollar check. And the next session, another thousand dollar. I'm like, all right, you win, dude. You're... <laughs> You win. It's just, it's, it's not human. I, I, I'm, tell, I, I'm, I'm dead serious. It is not, it's like the guy, it's like Jesus multiplying the bread. He's just like, just take the bread and multiply it. It'll, it'll all work out. And we can be in trouble financially. And Bill's like, just give that church $10,000. I'm like, no, now we're 10000 off worse. Worse off. He's like, no, it'll work out. No, it's just all work. I mean, I'm just like... It's scary when you're yoked to someone who like wants to give everything away. I'm locking down my children's toys. You know what I'm saying when he's around. I'm pointing out that some of the supernatural stuff that happens in our life doesn't look like I healed the sick, but it's but it is as important to Jesus because Jesus didn't say I was sick and you didn't heal me. He said, I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. Are you listening to me? I'm like, you are living as a supernatural people. You stop for the one. You stop for the transient. You give to your neighbor. It's like, oh yeah, I'm just doing something. I mean, I wish I could do miracles. You are doing miracles. You are love expressed. You are witnessing to people through your laid down life. You are a holy sacrifice. What you're doing is totally, totally supernatural. John the Baptist, when Zechariah was, absolutely, that's my language, let me translate for you, for you that don't have the gift of translating tongues. When John the Baptist encountered the angel Gabriel before, the, the, uh, before Elizabeth gave birth to John, John, uh, the angel Gabriel said to him that John would, would come in the spirit of Elijah and that he would, he, and that he would minister, let me read you the, the verse, it is he who is, will be a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to children. And, and my point is, is that the angel Gabriel says that Elijah who was coming, well, that spirit's on John. And John will minister in the spirit, get this, the spirit and the power of Elijah. Now, all of us that know the story of Elijah know that Elijah was the greatest miracle worker in the Old Testament, except for Moses. 
Like Elijah was the greatest miracle, maybe even more miracles than Moses. So when he says, when the angel says that John is going to move in the spirit and power of Elijah, I want you to know that John the Baptist did no miracles. And yet the spirit and power of Elijah was moving through him. What I'm getting at is this. What did John do? He took crooked ways and he made them straight. And he'd be in the wilderness calling people to repentance. And what I'm getting at, without raising the dead, without stopping the rain, without calling down fire, and we could go on and on and on, all the miracles that Elijah did, he had power over the weather, he had power over people, he had power over the elements, and and John had none of those, even though it was prophesied that he was going to move in the power of Elijah. But when he preached and hearts were turned, God goes, that's the power of Elijah. I'm pointing out that some of you are like John. You're like, I don't do miracles, but do you turn hearts? Are you with me? And I'm pointing out that he moved in the power, in supernatural power, but it's never recorded that he did a single miracle. Or did he? When Solomon's wisdom became famous, the queen of Sheba Came. I don't know, I've heard stories that it was a month's, month's journey to get to Solomon with an entourage. And when she saw what Solomon, when she saw Solomon and encountered his wisdom, she didn't talk so much about what he said, but she saw the way his table was set. She saw the way his waiters were dressed, the way they waited on the tables, and she saw the way somebody constructed, or Solomon had constructed a staircase from his house to God's house. And when she, when she saw it, I think the Hebrew says she was out of breath. She was breathless. And she said, you are twice as wise as I heard in my country. Twice as wise? What did she see? Table settings. Dressed waiters. Carpentry. And she said, you're twice as wise as I ever heard you were. I'm pointing out that his supernatural wisdom, right? He had a gift of wisdom, got it in a dream. His supernatural wisdom, he's famous for all over the world, was produced a practical outcome. (laughs) And when people saw it, they go, must be a God. And I'm saying, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll not go witnessing. You should all witness. We should all witness. You'll be a witness. What kind of witness? When people see the way you live, they go, there's got to be a God. There's got to be a God. How did Solomon get the idea how to set the table? I have no idea. How do you set a table in a way that a queen who travels for months to interact with you is impressed and gives you gold and wealth? I'm not being funny. Like, Can you even imagine how someone would come this far. Like they didn't come, you know, they didn't, they didn't fly in for an, an a 12-hour flight. They took months to get there. Maybe a month, maybe two months to get there with an entourage. And they see the way you set the table and like, oh my gosh, that is amazing. How do you do that? What, what did he do? How, where did he get those ideas? And I'm saying, my goal today is for you to realize that you have the spirit in you and you could have the Spirit on you, and the supernatural works that you do, the miracles that people see aren't just healing the sick, raising the dead, 
and casting out demons. As a matter of fact, I'd say the daily miracles of the way you operate with the Spirit in you and the Spirit on you is making an impression on people and you devalue you because you have no idea that God is working supernaturally in your practical ways. When the Holy Spirit in Weaverville, when Bill came back, Bill and Benny came back from Toronto, you may know about the Toronto Blessing, those of you who are watching us on, online too, it was uh, is in Toronto, Canada, uh, the church there experienced the Holy Spirit in a way that's exper- that, the, that people came, actually millions of people came, and they encountered the Holy Spirit, and they were drunk in the Holy Spirit, and they would, you know, cry on the floor, I mean, just... Thousands and thousands of people's hearts were healed. Many came to Christ through it. And we, Kathy and I, never went when it was happening. And Bill came back from the first time that they went to Toronto, him and Benny, he came back. And when he uh, came to, the, uh, when, when we were worshiping, I don't even think he had spoke about it yet. Uh, to us privately, yes, but not to the congregation. And when he was leading worship that morning, Kathy was playing the keyboards. And during, during, during the worship time, she, she got drunk in the spirit one of our elders wrote me after first service and said, make sure you say in the spirit. <laughs> she got drunk in the spirit and fell over the keyboards with her chest leaning on the keys. And it was going, ah! and she was trying to. Now you got to understand, my wife kills things. She rides horses. She plays with chainsaws. She's not emotional. Like I went through menopause. She didn't. She's a non-emotional lady. And now she's laying over the piano, completely drunk, in the spirit. I carried her out. Ruined her football Sunday. Because she used to serve us with her special supernatural gift. And everybody would come to my house on Sundays and watch the 49ers play. And she would make us tacos and stuff. Instead, she laid on the couch, totally wiped out. She would laugh when the... When, listen, this is how bad it got. She would laugh when the 49ers fumbled. Okay, you need to go in the bedroom. This is not working. (laughs) This went on for months. Months and months. And then after that, every time the Holy Spirit would move, she'd be like, oh, oh. I'm like, no, 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 we're not doing that. No, we're not doing that. It's football season. Just calm it down. Less, Lord, less. Well, I got to tell you this part of the story. So, so, so she falls over the piano. I take her home. I have no idea what's happening. I have no idea what's happening. To, it's my wife. She's a non-emotional woman. I take her home. She laughs all night. Laughs in the morning. This goes on and on. Well, anyway, we get to Tuesday. So that's Sunday. So Tuesday, we go to the elders meeting. One of our elders, uh, he, he said, I won't name him because we're streaming, but we'll call him John. He's not John. So John, John's like, that's, you know what? We were talking about the Holy Spirit moving on Kathy because she's the only one who got touched that morning, first morning. And, and John's like, I don't think that's the Lord. And he's like, da da And I'm, I'm like, I, I hope he's right because then we can cast it out and then we can have football. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm just, I seriously stay quiet. Like, I have no idea what's going on. I, don't, I, I know she's not faking. I don't know what's going on. Well, the very next Sunday, while Bill's preaching, only one person gets touched. It's, it's John. <laughs> We're in seats that are bolted down in the theater on an angle. Bend those. They're bolted down, and they're, and they're really close together. You know, they flap up so you can get past them. So, and, and John's like 6'4", and he's really skinny, 
and he gets and he gets hit with electricity manifestation, which I think is hilarious. And so he's he's vibrating like this in between the chairs, right? In between the chairs, and he's he's long and skinny. And you get in, well, Bill's preaching, and he's he's banging the chairs. So I get up and walk down to him, and I stand there and I say, I don't think that's the Lord. He said, Valentin, shut up. But here's my real point, and I have one. For the next 23 years, we have meetings, long conducted meetings till midnight in Weaverville. I come here, we have longer ones, more of them. I never get touched that way. Like, like the Arnots were here, and some of you were now in your heads. I remember that. And, and we were lined up, 1,300 people, I think, were lined up that day, that night, and lined up in the halls. And the Arnots were going on praying for them. And in here, there was probably seven or 800 people in here, eight, maybe more. And everybody was on the floor, drunk in the spirit, <laughs> except for me. I looked around, I had my eyes closed. An hour later, I opened my eyes, and I'm the only one standing. I'm like, better lay down. I don't want him to think, Judas, there's the Judas spirit right there. <laughs> and we go home and Kathy would be like, oh, that was so beautiful. I'm like, no, no, we're not having this conversation. Oh, the Holy Spirit was moving so, so beautifully. Not me. I'm like, Statue of Liberty. I got nothing going on. Probably the fourth year I was here. I mean, it was serious. Like, I, you know, it sounds funny. But when everyone else gets, when the unbeliever gets touched, and you're like, like, I'm worse than an unbeliever. And one week, I just was so distraught. Kathy will remember. I was so distraught. I'm like, I, I had to figure out what's wrong with me. And I just started praying. I was going to say fasting, but that would, that's, listen, fasting for me is like eating quickly. And I was just seeking the Lord. I mean, I was honestly desperate. I mean, Carol Arnott, in that time I talked, she came over and she sat in front of me during the, during the entire service and put her finger in me. More Lord, the whole time, more Lord. Like, yes, Lord, more, here. Nothing happened to me. Except my right hand would swell up. That was it. I'm like, hey, I'm in. My right hand is swollen. Measure, measure, two centimeters. Having an encounter right now. Just on my right hand, two centimeters. Notice how it's red? Does that. Does that when the spirit moves. Right hand. I'm dead serious. Dead serious. I'd be like... Very swollen. Very, very moving. And I asked the Lord, in desperation, I said, Lord, what's wrong with me? He said this to me. He said, it's none of your business how I touch my people. It's none of your business. And he said, I, I will not take your advice how I touch my people. He said, I touched Sol Solomon and he became smart. I touched Samson, he became strong. I touched Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and they became fireproof. It is not your business how I touch my people. And I will touch you any way I want to touch you. And I will touch my people any way I want to touch my people. And it's not your business. Honest to God, it freed me. I'm like, all right, 
And the Lord said, I'm doing things, well, I'm doing that manifestation in them. I'm doing something in you. And you need to have faith for it and stop being upset because I don't do what I do with everyone else. I want you to stand. Now, I'm a prophet. Some say a false prophet, but... remind you that Jesus was called one of those too. But if you're watching online, I'd love you to, if it's possible for you to stand. If you're, if you're in a car, if you have a sunroof, just roll the sunroof down. <laughs> Participate with us. Otherwise, just extend your faith to us. But I, I, feel like, I feel like there's a special grace right now to equip you. You, you, you understood what I said. Like you, you, Sometimes, you know, my people perish for lack of knowledge. I believe that when you understand, often it creates an expectation in you that you could be in this room a hundred times with me, with Bill, with Dan, with the team. And, and by the way, I was going to say, I'm nothing special. I am something special. So are you. So let me be clear. So I'm something special and you're something special. And I play a certain role in the body that no one else in here plays. And you play a certain role no one else plays. So let me be clear. But the role I play is to equip you as a prophet. And so I want to just release grace on you if you're watching online. And I want you to have these gifts that the Lord's given to me. I want to give them to you. Okay? And I want you to come with expectation. Like, so what we did in last service is we did this. We did barrel. Because remember I said you can come with a shot glass or you can come with a barrel. Why don't you just come with a barrel? Some of you are like, I don't want to be pregnant. I'm not going to do that. Am I okay? <laughs> but I just want to release this to you right now. Lord, I thank you that you've given me gifts and these gifts are not for me. They're not, they're not for me to selfishly keep for myself. Lord, you've given me gifts to equip the body so that they could actually do this work. And Lord, I release these prophetic gifts over them. Whatever it is I have, every time, every revelatory thing you've given me, God, if it's, if, it's the, if it's the gift of revelation or the gift of prophecy or the gift of dreams and visions, the gift of interpretation, the gift of discerning of spirits, Lord, these gifts you freely gave me, I freely give them to my friends. In Jesus' name, why don't you say I receive that for myself? God bless you. Thank you very much.